the Virginia General Assembly Joint Legislative Audit and Review Commission just dropped a very important and alarming report. It found that Virginia is underfunding its schools. According to this study, they recommend billions of more dollars to be spent. What are we doing in Virginia? Is it time for a new funding model? If we're expecting our students to meet their educational levels, why are we not funding them the way that we should? It's Stay the Water. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Cavill. Thank you for joining us and stay tuned as we boil down and take a look at this new report and how our schools should be funded. Welcome back. It's Stay the Ward. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Laville. I want to thank you so much for joining us, as you always do, on this Sunday, here as we broadcast from the campus of the Norfolk State University, home of the Spartan Nation, from none other than WNSB Hot 91, the soul of VA. As always, we have with us our producer, Marvin Folks, also known as DJ Scandalous, here in the studio with us, keeping us right and tight on the wheels of steel. You can hear him every day, Monday through Friday from 2 to 6 p.m. on Saturday. And yes, also on Sunday while he's in the studio with us today. As always, we want to thank you, the supporter, for supporting this very important initiative of the Center for African-American Public Policy as we look to bring to you the news that matters in policy, in the community, and also across the Commonwealth itself. Today, I want to take a look at a report that was recently just published uh, by the Virginia Assembly's Joint Legislative Audit and Review Commission. It's a commission also known as JLARC. And what this committee is, it's an agency within the Commonwealth of Virginia that is bipartisan, and it's a committee that is nonpartisan, and it's a committee that takes a look at various uh, initiatives, various laws, policies, and they give a review of it by the numbers. Now, now for those of us that understand what an audit is, we know that when an auditor comes in, they take a look at the books and they boil it down and tell you exactly what's what. Well, according to the Virginia Mercury, this past week, uh, a study found where Virginia underfunds K-12 schools and they recommended billions more as a matter of fact, J. Lark lays out $3.5 billion overhaul of the state funding formula. Now, when we take a look at the state's funding formula, according to the Virginia Mercury, it states that Virginia's complicated formula for funding K-12 schools, they said, needs an overhaul in order for the state to adequately fund public education. And again, this is according to the major legislation study that was published on Monday, uh, July 10th. Now, the analyst with the General Assembly, this, the Jay Lark, uh, told lawmakers that the 18-month review showed that the state allocates far less than needed to f- sufficiently fund Virginia's school system, unquote. They also stated that the formula that determines how much money each local school division gets from the state officials found needs to be significantly improved and modernized. As a matter of fact, in brief, according to the JLARC chief legislative analyst, uh, Mark Gribben, he said that we found that Virginia school divisions receive less funding per student than divisions in other states. Now, he said that this was this was a result of 
of a very lengthy study that the General Assembly required in 2021. Now, for those of you who are educators out there in our K-12 system, first of all, allow me to salute you. Allow me to give you your flowers and recognition now. Many times, uh, being a K-12 teacher is a thankless job, but it's probably the most important job or one of the most important jobs in our society because you are educating the future of our communities, the future of our world. The kids that come to you from, and I'll I'll even say pre-K, we say K through 12, but I've even started pre-K. I started my sons off at pre-K. But the children that come through you, you you're educating and you're molding and shaping them to learn how to think, uh, to learn how to be good citizens, to learn how to be fair, to learn how to be also competitive, those that play sports and the like and various uh, clubs that compete in, uh, in different scholastic activities and, and events. But you're, you're, but you're also educating them to be adults. And for the most part, for the first 13 years of their education, K through 12, they're spending more time with you than they really do with their own in their home and their parents during the week, Monday through Friday. So that's a very, very important time that our children are with other individuals and in a system that we're entrusting to educate them. Of course, we're talking about the public school system. The private school system is funded uh, through their own private uh, mechanism there, of course, there is some state and sometimes and also some federal opportunities and funding that could come to private schools. But for the most part, uh, they're funded privately. So this doesn't this study doesn't affect them. We're talking about public schools, public schools only. So for those of you who are educators, those of you who are administrators, principals, you see this. You see um, every year we're at the General Assembly. Uh, teachers there, the uh, Virginia uh, Education Association, the Teacher Association, these individuals are there advocating for more funding, saying that we need more funding if you want us to meet these measures. So what does this report itself say to you? What is it? Does this report, uh, does it validate all the issues that you've been speaking about? Does it tell our audience, does it tell our parents, does it tell our legislators that this is exactly what we're talking about. This is exactly what we need in order to do our job. Well, let's take take a closer look at this study. We're going to continue to look at this through the Virginia Mercury and how they have highlighted various areas. So let's take a look at the funding itself. According to the Virginia Mercury, Virginia school divisions receive 14% less funding from the state than the 50-state average. This is what JLARC found. As a matter of fact, they said this is equal to $1,900 less per student. If you're a principal, if you're an assistant principal, a school counselor, if you're a teacher who's having to spend your own money for supplies, what can $1,900 per student do for you? What can it do as it relates to resources? Supplies in the classroom to take some pressure off the parents. I don't know about you, but I remember as a child when we got the school list 
from the school and gave it to our parents. It wasn't that much we needed. We, uh, you know, make sure you bring your backpack and some Kleenex to share uh, and some glue sticks and rulers and so forth and pen and paper and uh, we'll do the rest. But now, you know, we're stocking the classroom. Uh, so parents are bearing the brunt of that as well. But our teachers, I hear from educators that are saying, we're also spending our money. We're spending our money in order to ensure that our classes have what they need. So I ask of you, if you're a teacher, you're an educator, you're an administrator, what can $1,900 do for you per pupil in your class? Now, according to JLARC, it also says it spends 4% less. The Commonwealth of Virginia spends 4% less than the more localized average for the South Atlantic region, as defined by the U.S. Census. Now, they also note that this review concluded Virginia spends comparatively more on K-12 schools than our neighboring states of North Carolina, Tennessee, but less than Kentucky, less than Maryland, and less than West Virginia. So our state to the south and also to the uh, west of us, we spend more, uh, but our states to the north of us and uh, the north, according uh, the northwest, we spend much less. Again, according to Virginia Mercury, much of Virginia's lagging status can be attributed to the state's complicated standards of quality funding formula, which JLARC found routinely underestimates how much funding schools actually need to fulfill the government's responsibility to provide every Virginia child with a quality education. Let's kind of unpack that a little bit. The standards of quality funding formula. So let's take a look at standards of quality first. Now, these are, of course, measures that are given to our school divisions from the state that says, you know, these are the things that you have to teach. These are the things that you, the scores that you have to meet in order to be uh, considered proficient and also to receive um, the certain designation uh, that the state says that you have to receive in order to educate our children. But the funding formula is very complicated. Now, this is not coming from a regular citizen. This is not coming from uh, a teacher itself. But this is coming from the Joint Legislative Audit and Review Committee that the states, it is complicated. So if it's complicated, is it time for a new system? Is it time that we take a look and learn how we do it again? Is it time for us to go back to the drawing board and say, you know, we need more flexibility, you know, with our school system. We need more flexibility with how we educate our children. Is it, do school divisions know a little bit better how to educate their local schools, their students? Should some of these standards of quality, funding formula, these metrics, simply be done away with, or should they be a little simpler? Well, let's delve into it and look at this example. According to the Virginia Mercury, in the fiscal year 2021, the standard of uh, quality funding formula indicated Virginia schools needed $10.7 billion in state and local funds. To fund their operation that year, the schools actually spent Seventeen point three billion. Now, 
Senator Janet Howell, the Democrat out of Fairfax, is quoted who chairs JLR called the 163-page school spending report a very important study because going on to reference an election season in which Republicans are pushing for tax cuts and Democrats are calling for bigger increases in school funding, she says that I would advise all candidates, not just for the General Assembly, but also for school boards and county boards to read the study and be informed about it and grapple with the implications. As a matter of fact, uh, Senator Jeremy McPike, Democrat out of Prince Williams, Prince Williams said the problem has been pretty apparent for anyone who has sent their children into classrooms that might have 30 students for each teacher. Uh, you see it. Uh, this report, according to McPike, is not surprising to him as a parent. So with that, they find that the SQ formula, SOQ formula, estimated school divisions needed 113,500 full-time instructional support and administrative staffers in fiscal year 2021. According to the report, in reality, school divisions employed 171,000 400 people to perform those duties. So in other words, if we just funded at that level, it would be catastrophic, according to an unnamed school administrator who told JLR that. It's Stay the Water. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Laville. Today we're looking at the new JLARC study. This is a Joint Legislative Audit and Review Committee, which takes a look at the funding formula of Virginia for K-12 schools. According to this report, the study finds Virginia underfunds K-12 schools and recommends spending billions more. As a matter of fact, Jay Lark lays out $3.5 billion overhaul of the state funding formula. This report was provided. You can take a look at it at jlark.com. It is the very first report that you you will see that comes up on the website. This report um, was Fund uh, was uh, reported on Monday, July 10th of this week. If we bear down a little bit more into this report, according to the Virginia Mercury, uh, it states that uh, the commission staff made several recommendations for how Virginia could overhaul its school funding benchmarks to be more in line with national averages. Now, though, and now, they do note that analysts stressed that they were not suggesting all the changes could be made at once, but the proposals collectively add up to about $3.5 billion in new spending. According to the Virginia Mercury, House Appropriations Chairman Barry Knight, who's a Republican out of Virginia Beach, who serves on Jay Lark and is currently trying to negotiate a budget bill with Senator Howe, said the new report doesn't appear to take into account roughly $3.2 billion in new funding allocations to Virginia schools over the last couple of years. Now, he says that uh, they're both in concurrence that we want to put hundreds of millions of more dollars in there, but they uh, but may get us a whole lot closer to getting a whole, according to uh, Delegate Knight, uh, Knight said of how. But, He also cautioned that the money isn't the only driver for educational success. According to the Virginia Mercury, he says the city of Richmond, he noted, spends significantly more per pupil than neighboring Henrico County, which generally has a higher rate uh, rated schools than Richmond, but less entrenched poverty. As a matter of fact, you know, we kind of hear this 
adage all the time. And I'll quote uh, a delegate Knight. He says, sometimes, quote, throwing money doesn't always solve the problem, adding that Virginia school divisions still have about $1.5 billion in federal pandemic aid that they need to spend before September 2024. And also, uh, Governor Yonkin administration, he struck some similar tone in his official response to the J. Lord report. According to Secretary of Education, uh, Amy Gudera and Superintendent of Public Instruction, Lisa Coons, wrote that the report shows the complexity of a, quote, indecipherable state funding formula, quote, unquote, that should be, quote, more student-focused and outcome-driven, unquote. The new report, Yunkin's education team continued, does little to connect spending to the, quote, educational needs of children, unquote, and fails to account for recent spending increases that produce, quote, the largest education budget, unquote, in Virginia's history. I want to, well, let me finish the quote here, uh, the response by the governor's office. And then we'll talk about how uh, we've heard, if we've heard this before. So, quote, nevertheless, the report makes it clear that without reforms, increased investments in K-12 spending likely will not transfer to improve student outcomes, according to the Yonkin administration. Referring back to his proposals to change the state's school accreditation system, boost expectations for standardized tests, improve math and reading performance, and provide more career and technical education opportunities. Now, We've heard, I've heard before in politics, I've been in, in politics and policy and law and education for almost two and a half decades. And I've heard the count, anytime there is a request for more spending on education, and there's a report that actually shows that the spending should be better or more, more efficient as well. Uh, the opposite response, no matter who it is, they say that throwing money at the problem doesn't help. Well, not throwing money at the problem also doesn't help. And I believe that this is what this report itself is saying. The JLOC report is saying that, one, the formula is complicated. So, of course, an individual would look and say that we need to reform the way that the formula, how we allocate uh, funding to public schools. But also, secondly, I believe that when you... If, you're, if a report shows, a study shows that you need more money, then obviously the money that you're getting is not meeting the needs of, of the uh, uh, standards that you've set for that particular agency or individual. So therefore, if you want them to meet those marks, then you need more money. You, you can't, in other words, if you're already hungry, if you're eating maybe breakfast and lunch, but you're not eating dinner, you say, well, maybe you're not eating good calories. Maybe you're not spreading it out uh, long enough. Well, I need more money for dinner. If you say, well, maybe just work with the money we have and spread your breakfast and lunch out and you'll be okay, you're not really helping the problem. You're kind of just putting a mask in, not even putting a Band-Aid on. So what are some of the recommendations? That we see. Now, according to uh, the Virginia Mercury, they said specific flaws in the funding formula identified by JLARC include number one, 
underestimating salary costs by underweighting salaries in largest school divisions, many of which are located in high-cost Northern Virginia. Underestimating salary costs. So for those of you that have lived in Northern Virginia or have lived in the, in the Northern Virginia, D.C. metro area, you know that it is a lot more expensive once you get toward past Fredericksburg and go a little bit more, not too far, but just a little bit further north, the real estate property changes drastically. You know that your commute time changes drastically. You know that the decisions that you make of where you put your kids in school and who works where changes drastically than it does here in Hampton Roads. So if you're paying these uh, teachers or educators, K-12, through the same that you're paying here in Hampton Roads, you may be disadvantaging the pool and the people that you have. And they're having to make tough choices. So taking a look at what Jay Lark said, underestimating salary costs by underweighting salaries in larger school divisions in Northern Virginia is a problem. It's a flaw. They also noted specific flaws in the funding formula identified by Jay Lark is not effectively taking into account how many higher need students a school division has due to poverty, special education needs, and immigrant students learning English, failing to account for learning English. So let me stop there. This particular, uh, well, last week on Tuesday, the superintendent for public instruction, Lisa Coons, along with our our board of visitor, Mr. Jim Dyke, who's a former secretary of education, uh, we convened a roundtable discussion here at the university uh, in the Hampton Roads area with representatives and also school superintendents from the Hampton Roads schools and also executives, presidents, CEOs, and administrators from the Chambers of Commerce, both Hampton Roads Chamber, uh, Peninsula Chamber, we also have the other ethnic chambers, the Black Chamber of Commerce, Asian American Chamber of Commerce, and also the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, along with our faculty scholars from the School of Education here at Norfolk State. The conversation that was that was convened was the importance of developing the talent pipeline and what's needed from the expert standpoint, from the industry standpoint, and from the superintendent standpoint. What are these things that we could take back to uh, from the superintendent's standpoint, where are these things we could take back to the governor's office and say that, and also to the Department of Education, say this is what, what our educators are seeing, this is what they need. Now, this same conversation was also conducted in Northern Virginia at George Mason on Monday, the day before, the day that this report came out. Well, one of the major issues discussed here at this roundtable was having additional resources Uh, for our students for mental health. Not only that, but also our immigrant student population, which is growing tremendously. And being able to staff up. As a matter of fact, the first cohort at William & Mary uh, School of Education uh, Division in the public policy course uh, under Professor Wilkerson, that particular class uh, talked about and also discussed some of those issues, which I was a part of, that discussion. Issues in K through 12, scaling up, a proposal put up. How do we scale up our resources for uh, ESL learners, ELL learners? 
How do we scale up our resources in schools to give better pathways for students coming into schools? But some of the barriers that were discussed at the roundtable discuss how their hands are kind of handcuffed because of these requirements. So not only are we hearing it from JLARC, from an audit, but we're also hearing it from those on the ground, our administrators, our principals, our, our teachers, our future administrators, and our faculty scholars here at Norfolk State University. JLARC also found the failing to account for steep labor cost differences in different parts of the state and also overlooking the difficulties faced by very small, mostly rural school divisions that can't achieve the same economies of scale as their larger counterparts. That becomes a problem because we're not just a monolithic state. We're, we're, we're not just Northern Virginia and Hampton Roads. We're not just Richmond, but we're also west of Richmond. It's great communities in, that, in, our, in our Commonwealth that, again, maybe you have one elementary, one middle school, one high school, one private school, but they need a different support system. Now, I want to go into a few more numbers as we take a look at their recommendation. Now, what they found was, in the near term, JLARC recommended that the state make about $1 billion in changes to boost funding for schools. The biggest near-term changes include better tracking students living in poverty and funding schools accordingly. That's $250 million, ending cost-saving measures instituted during the Great Recession, such as capping support positions, which was $515 million, and changing how the state calculates salary by using division averages instead of a formula that underweights higher salaries at the biggest school divisions, which that cost would be $190 million. Another $2.5 billion in long-term recommendations include changing the formula to reflect actual staffing levels. That's $1.86 billion. Better aligning the funding formula with local labor costs, $595 million, and providing extra funding to small school divisions with fewer than 2,000 students. That's $80 million. So what JLARC found is that, according to the Virginia Mercury, of the roughly $20.1 billion that currently funds Virginia's K-12 public schools, approximately 39% comes from the state, 52 comes from the localities, and 9% comes from the federal government. But the commission staffers repeatedly noted the regional differences are skewed, especially emphasizing um, Fairfax County, which accounts for $2.5 billion of local funding of their schools. But ultimately, Virginia could simplify its school funding system. The report found by switching to a student-based formula like the ones most of the states use instead of a staffing-based formula. The report said a well-designed student-based funding model would be more accurate, more transparent, and easier to maintain over time than Virginia's current staffing-based formula. As a matter of fact, uh, according to um, the minority, House Minority Leader, uh, Don Scott, Democrat out of Portsmouth, he said it's our children who are suffering because of what is taking place, or extremists in Virginia GOP would rather fund corporate giveaways than education. Now, of course, in this particular statement, in, in his statement, Governor Youngkin said 
Well, in a statement, Yunkin said he has proposed a budget that included about $427 million in new funding for schools and called for the report as a wake-up call for those who haven't been listening to parents. But one thing he notes is that today's JLARC report lays plain that the previous two uh, administrations have failed to provide adequate funding in K-12 education and, more importantly, never sought to reform the system to ensure that funding supports students and teachers in the classroom. House Minority Leader Don Scott stated that it is well past time the Republicans got serious about protecting and supporting our children and work with us to make sure that our students have access to the best teachers and also resources and the best education possible. Well, those are the political responses to this report. But one thing that the report does show is that the system needs to be re needs to be changed, needs to be revamped and changed from a staffing formula to a student-based formula in order to properly fund our schools. (laughs) Well, we've got an election coming up where we are now electing every seat in the General Assembly in November. We've also got a legislative session coming up in January. The report is out. You can review it for yourself at jlark.com. And you can tell the legislators yourself. You can band together. I'm sorry, it's jlark.virginia.gov. jlark.virginia.gov. You can tell, work with your union. Work with the teachers in your community. Work with the teachers at your school. And say that we need change. We need a new model. It's time for Virginia's K-12 system to stop lagging behind and lead the way. It's in your hands. Be informed. Make the change that you want to see. And stay in the water. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Laville. We want to thank you again for joining us, as you always do on this Sunday. Continue to tune in. Continue to support us. And as always, be good, be great, and we'll see you next week 